1: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
2: Support for this podcast comes from Healthnetics. Do you have nagging aches and pains from your younger, more athletic days? Healthnetics CBD is a premium brand CBD that may help take care of aches and pains as well as relieve anxiety and sleeplessness. Healthnetics products are all-natural, THC-free, made in the USA, and undergo third-party lab testing to ensure quality and purity. All CBD is not the same. Order today with a money-back guarantee at healthnetics.com and use promo code SPORTS for 20% off.
3: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast
1: Network.
2: It is uh, Monday, March 4th, 2019, and this is the MMA Hour right here on MMAFighting.com. Thank you so much for joining me. I greatly appreciate it. My name is Luke Thomas, and I am the host of this program. What a jam packed program we have for you for this first show of the third month of 2019. Can you believe it already? Years just flying by. Who do we have today? Uh, ben Askren is going to be here, fresh off of his very controversial but interesting win over Robbie Lawler, UFC 235. Speaking of UFC 235, we have two of the very best coaches in the game who both coached the champions, the main event winners. Brandon Gibson will be here around 1240. He was, of course, part of the John Jones team. And then Kamaru Usman's coach, Henry Hooft, will be here, I think around 1. Of course, he helped guide him all the way to a welterweight championship title as well. Plus, you're going to be my guest, not one, two different ways. We've been taking your tweets this whole time using the hashtag TheMMAHour. Thank you to everybody who submitted them. My friend Danny Segura tells me that they are copious in amount and quite interesting, which I'm always happy to hear. And I hear the calls today, and the number's the same as always, 844-866-2468. I have heard that uh, England is uh, in the house today, quite quite numerically, or I should say in abundance, rather. So we'll do that a little bit later in the show as well. Uh, All right, as always, the Monday Morning Analyst is a YouTube exclusive. This will not go on the audio portion of the podcast. So if you want it, you got to get it online. Well, you get everything online, but on our YouTube channel, I should say. Let's go now to our first guest. Talk about a winning career this guy's had. Uh... He is, uh, well, fresh off that, that, that win by uh, Johnny Bones-Jones. Uh, Bones I mean, what a spectacular finish, or uh, I should say, fight he had. A little strange in certain parts, though, right? There was that kind of knee nice scenario, and um, I, I'll be honest. I would have thought, thought he was going to finish Anthony Smith. I have respect for Anthony Smith, but, I mean, he was coming off of the finish in 214 of Daniel Cormier. Then he finished Gustafson, what, in uh, December, late December, and then he goes and does this. It's like... Uh, it's a dominating win, but I was a little surprised by it. But at the same time, he was total command, total mastery the whole way. So, uh, all right, let's go to him now. I went a little long. I apologize for that. Let's go to him. The one and only Brandon Gibson. Brandon, look at him. Oh, man. Hey. Look at the tie and everything. Old little dapper scrapper. Are you going somewhere? Something important?
3: I just, you know, I, I wear mini, mini hats. I'm not always a, a trainer. I'm not always a martial artist. Uh. Sometimes I'm a, a bit of a businessman, so I can Just see Monday that. Just
2: Monday morning, attire. All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk about it. How are you feeling about the win on Saturday? Obviously, John was in pretty much command the whole way. I'm sure no event is, or no fight is perfect, but that was relatively close, the knee notwithstanding.
3: You know, we hold ourselves to very high expectations and very high standards. That's what we train for. So when we won, it wasn't this uh, big celebration. It was um, okay. What's next? what's next i i think um you know we're very happy with the performance you if, if you take away the illegal knee it would have been a 50 44 scorecard in a championship fight which is uh you know dominant at, at that level um so so we're happy with it but we, we always want more
2: all right T- tell me about what went right what was the game plan for anthony smith what were you guys anticipating
3: oh we knew he's tough
2: we knew he's tough um this guy has a lot of
3: experience, a lot of fights under his belt, and, and a very high finish rate. He either finishes or gets finished, and he had only had one decision. Um, we wanted a full body attack. you know. Uh, we knew he didn't check kicks very well. He was susceptible to body shots. Um, he has a chin of granite, um, and I think he was a little suspect on the ground, especially in wrestling positions and scrambles, so... You know, we, we were trying to be well-prepared in every single area that we could. Um, Anthony surprised me in his work against the fence, um, being able to stop some of John's takedowns. He, he sprawled on John pretty good, I, I believe, in uh, the fourth round. Um, you know, he he's an athlete. He's very tough, comes from a great team. I have a lot of respect for Mark Montoya and the guys at Factory X. And we knew they'd come prepared. You know, when you fight John Jones, you you have to be ready. You have to be ready, but... In the end, you know, John was able to kind of take away anything Anthony really wanted to do.
2: I will say that I thought his wrestling was much improved. This is actually proof of those arguments that when you defend a title in your weight class, maybe it's not necessarily fight over fight as, you know, uh, glamorous as a a champ-champ scenario. However, the contenders who get to that spot, that's their maximum opportunity, and you often see their maximum effort. He was, I think, a little bit defensively more sound it sounds like you guys, I'm, I'm sure you were prepared for it, but in execution, uh, you know, he didn't get finished. He lasted a full five. I think that's exceeding expectations for it some. Is. Absolutely. And,
3: uh, you know, we wanted the finish. I, I thought John would put him away. I, I was thinking by the third round, um, the fourth round, we really saw John turn it up. And, uh, you know, I, I, I feel bad about the knee, um, you know, a split second later. Or uh, one state line over, that was, that was that probably would have been a fight ender. Um, I feel bad about it. Um, I, I'm really, really happy that Anthony was able to get up and continue from that. I think, you know, it shows why
2: he has that Lionheart moniker. Um, anything from John – you know, it's interesting. John's game is it's uh, complex. I don't know how to describe it exactly. He's not throwing the spinning stuff much anymore. But it's still complex in its ingenuity – so it might be a jab, it might be a cross, it might be a front kick. It's not, you know, he's not a ongbok back elbow, but there's a there's a certain degree of I don't I'm going to use the word simplicity for a lack of a better term. How do you think of his game? It's complex, but he's not it's not, it's not quite so flashy, is it? I think John
3: has one of the deepest playbooks in all of MMA. Um You know, I I, I break fighters down for a living. I train a lot of very high-level fighters. I've trained a lot of Hall of Famers. Nobody's playbook is as deep as John's. Now, he's not the crazy volume combination striker, but he can throw just about any strike from any stance, and I think the beauty in what John does is the
2: simplicity. Um, Anthony Smith, had a few moments there he was kind of stuck in like this sitting turtle position. What did you make of that? Because he wasn't getting finished, but he wasn't able to he wasn't able to launch any offense of his own.
3: We had seen that in a lot of Anthony's fights. That he was really good at going two-on-one on a wrist and, and trying to hold the position. Um, and then he would take some ground and pound damage, but he was comfortable in that position. And then he'd wait and create a scramble. He did it against Volkan. He did it against Andrew Sanchez. We, we'd seen him do, go for quite a bit. So we had really trained in that two-on-one wrist control big knees to the body, big ground and pound, big passes when John was ready. And, and I think that's what we saw in the fourth round was just John unloading knees to the body, knees to the ankle, finding ground and pound when he needed it, and just just riding him,
2: controlling him, and grinding him. When folks say, hey, how can you finish? Somebody is uh, decorated, and this, I don't mean this to be demeaning to Smith, but you know, higher-ranked guys like uh, uh, Cormier, like Sin, but not Smith. Uh, what, is, what is your assessment of why that happened?
3: um you know sometimes it's like a clash of trains uh dc2 um the the they were throwing they were throwing hard they were in the open mat um they you know you're slipping into strikes you're rolling into strikes um when you're playing very defensively and trying to wait on the cage there's not as much just inertia clashing um so it becomes a bit of a grind and, and john was very smart in his pace you know we The one area Anthony was very dangerous in, you you look at fights like the Vulcan fight, where Vulcan's clearly in charge for two rounds and almost punches himself out, gases, and then Anthony comes on. So we didn't want John to exert everything in these ground-and-pound moments, get tired and fatigued, and then give Anthony a puncher's chance.
2: Uh, What impact, if any, did the news about the, and we've been over it a million times, but when the picogram stuff came out again this week, what news, if any, did it have on John? Oh, what None. impact, brother? None. We
3: we were sitting at breakfast. He saw Twitter. He, he'd kind of been briefed on it a, a day earlier. We just went about right back to our breakfast and right back to our training schedule. Okay. He, these are things that are, almost, um, you know, expected the time being and, and until we really understand what's going on. And, and I'll leave that up to the experts at USADA and everywhere else to continue to educate all of us and... We just stay focused on what we can control
2: that, that being said you were with him in this camp and he was tested for whatever that is worth to an extraordinary degree i wonder what impact that had on him
3: none you know this, this stuff he's prepared for he's been at this level for a long time and and i think he gladly welcomes all the testing possible which which shows with three different bodies testing him um, you know we just we just want to prove to everybody that we're We're clean, and we're the best in the world at
2: what we do. All right, let's talk about that knee real quickly. As uh, our own Mark Ramundi had pointed out, as you uh, did as well, had that bout taken place in California, no biggie, right? But Nevada has uh, their own rule set that's partly advanced but partly antiquated. I'll ask you as a coach, were you aware of the difference? Because I'll be honest, as a media guy who's covered this, even I forgot about it. (laughs)
3: Yeah, you know, we we try to be as best we can, and, and the referees usually do a pretty good job breaking it down in the locker room on, okay, where is the hand and where does the weight need to be in this state? What is three points in this state? Is it fingertips? Is it palm? Is it fist? Is it, um, I don't know if we went over that. That's in, in as detail as we should. Um, I I was under the understanding that John couldn't knee. I think John was just waiting for that little millisecond. Anthony's trying to play that up and down game right there. And I, John knew there was a short time left in the round. I think he was just trying to time it for the second Anthony lifted up that hand. And, and that you know, there's some pictures where it looks really damn close um, to just unleash that knee. I think uh, it was more it, of a timing thing uh, than a state and a commission thing.
2: I see. Uh, and Again, for the folks who are like, oh, my God, here's John Jones out here cheating again. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, it sounds like, you know what's interesting, it sounds like um, – well, of course, you guys don't pay it much mind. I don't think he doesn't seem nearly as bothered about either. He was all smiles with a turtleneck at the post fight press conference.
3: He's looking sharp, that's for sure. <laughs> I, I like seeing John, Rick Flair drip. Um, you know, I I'm, I'm glad Anthony got up from it. I've actually worked regional shows where you know we're, we're up two rounds, we're going into the third, and, and we had a similar situation happen, and uh, it wasn't bad. And the other fighter took the took the way out and got the DQ win. And it's uh it's a rough night and the, you know, I just didn't think in that world title fight Anthony would want to do that and and he didn't. He didn't. He I, definitely looked at us pissed off in the corner. He he was not happy and, and we weren't happy either. I, you know, we don't want to see fouls in this game. I want to see a good clean competitive competition.
2: I saw a video uh correct me if I'm wrong cuz like I can't quite tell the context, but what it looked like was john and you guys were all walking back to his locker room and anthony was there greeting you and giving you like a congratulations as each one went through the line i have to say i find that an incredible moment of sportsmanship
3: yeah absolutely um we we just got done taking photos everybody's kind of in this back media room and anthony was in there and, and we all shook hands and uh you know told him he was a true lionheart and you know, like I said, I got a lot of respect for Mark Montoya and Factory X. You know, on the regional scene, Albuquerque and Denver, uh, we, we compete against each other a lot. I've known these guys for a long time. They've come down to Jackson's. We've gone up to Denver. Um, you know, it, it, we're, we're going to be seeing them in, in two weeks, and we always want good sportsmanship with those guys, and especially after a championship bout like that where two guys put on the line for five rounds. You can't have nothing but
2: admiration. All right, so let's talk about uh... – What's next? Look, ultimately, John's going to be his own man and make his own call. But after a performance like that and making a fast turnaround, it's the inevitable question, right? George St. Pierre alluded to it in his retirement. What is next? If you had to guess, what is next, both in timing and opponent, who do you think it is?
3: You know, we're going to get together this week and uh, and break it down. Um, I know Thiago Santos is looking very strong. Um, John always gets hyped for the idea of a super fight. You know, he said he wants to fight three to four times this year. Um, we, we want to give him a little break though. You know, we want to make sure that that fire is, is always well lit under him. And, um, back-to-back training camps is definitely a, a grind. Um, he was, you know, he was excited to get in there though and have this quick turnaround and make sure there is no ring rust. And, and, and I think as a fan of the sport, we're lucky to have the greatest of all time actively competing once again. So, um, he wants to stay busy maybe it's maybe it's the big international fight week in july maybe it's something big in the fall um we'll see um i'm always interested to see what dc's up to
2: he wasn't you know, i, I, see I, I didn't see him there i didn't see him tweeting that much did you no no surprisingly um
3: well, yeah we'll see i, I you know I'll, I'll be interested to see what the ufc brings to the table and um you know, we want to get John a little rest and then get him back in and just keep growing John Jones. You know, it's a, that's an important time for us to be in camp without an opponent and just develop and, and continue to sharpen John's arsenal.
2: By the way, I noticed something. Correct me if I'm wrong. Now, I uh, one time on the mats dislocated my own toe. Ooh, that sucked. It was not fun. And he, of course, had that broken one against Chael. He tapes it. Does he tape it on the buddy system? Is that is that the same toe that I saw? Mm-hmm. I don't know if he does it in the fight, but he definitely does it in the warm-ups.
3: Yeah, yeah. You know, we just try to, um, keep everything like more preventative injury, you know? Um, and and with as much as John kicks, it's not even the challenge, injury as much as it is preventing future injury. So, um, yeah, we just, we just want to keep them sharp and keep them feeling good and. Yeah, ta- we, we go through a lot of tape in camp.
2: What what do you make of D.C.'s silence? And I have to say, as a observer, I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for D.C. Obviously, I know you do as well. I was glad, actually. I was getting a little exhausted with the rivalry. I do want to see them fight in the future. But for this moment in time, I was happy to take a break.
3: Yeah, I, I was uh, I was happy for it, too. You know, I, I like when these guys get to celebrate their nights. Um, and, and same when D.C. wins. Uh, I, I, I like it quiet on our front, or just a congratulations. Um I think that will always be looming, though. Every, everybody will always want to see a trilogy there, and DC's had so much success since John's fight, and, and you know, he was double champ and heavyweight champ. And uh, But I, I think for right now there's a lot of intriguing matchups in, in each of their prospective weight classes, so uh, I, I, I just like having fun with that idea.
2: What do you, uh, well, by the way, you think, is there any chance he fights heavyweight this year, or do you think these four fights or three, whatever they end up happening, are all going to be at 205?
3: I think this year we'll probably be at 205 unless, you know, some really intriguing super fight gets offered. But um, I think John's just fine uh, being light heavyweight champ of the world and and defending this title as many times as we can. Uh, What did you make of Johnny Walker's win? Uh, The kid's impressive. He's explosive. Uh, I saw a really impressive stat that he's only thrown 30 strikes or something in his combined UFC career so. His knockout-to-strike ratio is like 1 to 9. That, that's impressive. Uh, we definitely got our eye on him. And, and, you know, he's charismatic. He's fun. He has a swagger to him. Uh, he's creative. You know, that, that, that's a fight that
2: is definitely on the horizon, I'm sure. But you, if you had to guess it, you probably, again, nobody knows, especially with UFC these days. But it sounds like you guys think Tiago Santos is next.
3: And, you know that's what Dana was alluding to in the press conference. Um, you know he's, he's been looking great. He's a powerful, very powerful two hundred five pounder. Um, I'm sure that's something that intrigues a lot of fans. And uh, I like that there's some fresh blood in the light heavyweight division. Um, you know when John started, it was it was kind of like the older reign of some of the Pride legends. You know the the Shoguns, the the Rampage Jacksons. Um, the V tours. There, there's so many of these legends for us to to chase after. And now, you know, John's the legend, and these young guys are coming up like Johnny Walker, like Tiago Santos. So uh, it, it's cool to be in this position now.
2: Has it John ever fought someone who brawls the way that Tiago Santos does?
3: Um, You know, I think he's fought a lot of brawlers. I would consider Anthony Smith a brawler. Uh, I think we've fought some very polished MMA boxers um, with with explosive hooks like Rampage Jackson, like Shogun. Um, And then we've fought a lot of really polished technical MMA strikers like Gustafson, like Machida. Um, I think Tiago brings a different kind of power. I don't think he's as polished or refined as a Shogun or a Rampage. I think he's probably a little closer to Anthony Smith's style.
2: Uh, Still, though, Anthony Smith fought a less brawler style this time, didn't he? You
3: know, when you have John Jones in front of you pressuring and fainting and level changing and throwing kicks, it uh, it makes you question trying to load up on a big hook.
2: Yeah, I suppose that it does. By the way, speaking of the four times in one year, look, every fighter's different. Everyone's a different age, different experience, different injury level. What do you make of Israel Adesanya with six fights in 14 months? By the way, he's won five of the first six, so something's going right. But even I've been asking him, that sounds like a heavy workload, man. You know, I... Hell, we trained Cowboy Cerrone for a long time where he
3: was working at a pace that was about that insane. And, uh, you know, when you're on fire, you're on fire. And uh, you got to keep it going. And, and sometimes you don't know it's too much until you get in there and you feel a little flat and burned out. Or you have a, a, a camp where everything really starts adding up. But, you know, Israel's a, a brilliant fighter. He's been in it for a long time. You know, with his kickboxing background, uh, he's, he's used to competing at a high pace and, and training often. You know, the guys over at City Box, City Kickboxing in New Zealand, they know what's up. They know what they're doing. And, um, hell, man, you know, when you're hot, you're hot. So so keep it going. And, and I'm a big fan of what Israel's doing. I, I love his swag. I love what he's doing. So uh, as a fan,
2: I'm like, hey, man, keep com- keep competing. As a fan, do you want to see John fight Bro- uh, Brock? It's like as a media guy, it's like well, it would be great for me. The, the views would be through the roof. But look, man, I don't think it takes a genius to be like, I don't know how competitive that is. I don't know how competitive it is either. I think for the casuals um, that that a
3: guy like Brock brings to the sport, it will be super high numbers and a high payday. Um, I think for the, the, the challenge, just the size of the man that Brock is, I think that's something that intrigues John. I think, um, yeah, Brock will bring something different. It would, it would be fun. It would be intriguing. But as far as is Brock the most polished mixed martial artist that we've ever competed against and what is our game plan going to have to be in all these things we're going to have to watch out for and train for? No, I don't, I don't think it's
2: that. Well, you know, here's what I know. Not only are you one of the world's best MMA coaches, it looks like you're the town mayor of Albuquerque with that clothes, those clothes on as well. So uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Mr. Mayor, <laughs> congratulations on a successful win. And, uh, can't, again, I've been telling you this. Can't wait to see what you guys have in store in 2019.
3: All the best, Luke. And uh, we appreciate your breakdowns, man. Keep it up. You're, you're sharp. You got a good eye.
2: I'm trying. Trying to be like now you. I just
3: got to be in there holding pads every day. Yeah, and no I'm thanks. Getting the guy's <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'll leave that to the experts. Thank you, Brandon. Really appreciate it. <laughs> All right. There he goes. One of the best. we go from one of the best to another one of the bests. He was, uh, I mean, this guy, if you didn't watch his corner advice, on Saturday, you missed out something pretty great. He is uh, a Dutch legend and the coach of Kamara Usman, the one and only Henry Hooft is here. Hi, Henry. How are you? How you doing,
4: Luke? I'm good.
2: Uh, it's an honor to get you on the phone here. So we really appreciate your time, Henry. So how did Saturday go from your vantage point? It looked pretty good from ours.
4: Yes, it was very good. I mean, of course, it's uh, it's it's something special to win a belt at the end. But, uh, according to training and everything, how the fight went, it was like Kamaru is the last couple of fights, you know, progressing, putting a lot of pressure, uh, doing what he does best put his will on his opponent. And, uh, you saw what happened kind of broke the opponent and, uh, and won every round, you know? So, yeah, it was great. As a corner. Of course, uh, uh, it wasn't it wasn't the uh, the craziest corner work that we had to do because he's such a disciplined and uh, and uh, uh, technically his, his fight IQ is so high that as a coach you don't really need to do a lot. Uh, but uh, at the end of the day, me, Greg, Kami, and the guys, uh, I think uh, we did all good together. We made him good. We prepared him good for the fight. And what he did the last couple of years for his career and now with the that belt, that's something that he really do- did by himself. It's uh, He's a, he's a different guy.
2: Well, here's what got me fired up, Henry, was uh, right at the end of the break, so right before each next round would start, you would tell him, by the way, and he would be standing and Tyron would be sitting, you would tell him, look at him, look at him hard. He's sitting, you're standing, look at him. I got to be honest, that got me fired up sitting on my couch.
4: And did you stood
2: up or not? <laughs> I definitely, I, I was out uh, fist pumping. I, I was like, that, I mean, just, just you could feel the intensity between you and him. You know what I mean?
4: Yeah. No, it's, 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 I always say it to my guys too, I, in training, nobody sits down. It's funny. And then when they fight, everybody wants to sit on that little chair. By the way, it's a shitty chair, but and you sit down there and you have to get up there. I think it's much better to just to stand for 15 minutes normally. Now it was 25 minutes. If you can't do that, just, it, I think it gives you a little bit of a mental uh, pump. And if you look at the other guy, at least you can see some stuff, especially if you have a fighter IQ and you your coach or a fighter. He can see that, and he can see that that guy needs to sit down and, and ask his coach for advice. While our fighter is just breathing, take the water, of course listens to the advice, but is just doing something that we do in our, in our room uh, for the last couple of years. So, I think that's just a normal thing that we do. But the thing that I say, that look at the opponent, is just a, a thing that I, that I have from my kickboxing background with, uh, with all the fighters. Uh, we stand in between the rounds. Of course, it's not MMA, so it's a little different. But we stand and, uh, and we look and we, we breathe and we can't wait till the next round starts. And that's, that's what, uh, what sometimes gives you a little edge. And if not, you don't need to sit down, man, for 15 minutes or 25 minutes. Come on.
2: Okay, so let's talk about this. He has said at times that you guys don't have game plans, but there must be some kind of overarching strategy. What was the plan for tyron Woodley
4: I think when we talk about game planning uh, it's it, it, of course it's not a, it's not a it's not football or American football or whatever. Uh, I, I really need to tell you this uh look me, Greg Jones, Kami barsini, our guys we have of course you have a lot of experience um. But we don't overcoach our fighters in the room. We we are always in the room. Three of our coaches. Uh, of course, we know all the opponents that our guys fighting because we have been doing this for a while. So we kind of know if we fight a wrestler that it's probably a little bit better to have a little more distance. If we fight a striker, uh, whatever. Every, every 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 aspect of the game. Of course, you know when you look at it. But at the end of the day, we are all trainers, not not coaches. We are trainers. We want to train. Our guys, we we want to teach them skills so they have enough skills to fight anybody. Nowadays, in in, in MMA, everybody gets injured or they pull out of a fight or something happens. And then you've been training for a wrestler and then you're going to fight a striker the other way around. I think overall, you need to work on your skills. And at the end of the day, we are trainers. So we want our guys to have the skills to fight anybody and try to, to beat everybody with our style of fighting. So, uh of course, there's a little game plan, but that game plan is in the, in the head of the fighter that's been training, like Usman and Michael Johnson and these guys, for seven years. They know our game plan is we come, we come to fight hard. We are offensive, defensive fighters. We have a good guard. We come hard. We go forward. We fight. We make the fight. We try to finish fights. We put a lot of pressure, but also skills. And, 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 and I think, um, especially if you have been a fighter, like, I, I fought myself. I know how it is to have a game plan, and I know everybody says when you get punched in the face, well, in kickboxing, when you got kicked in your legs or in your, in your face, the whole, the whole game plan changed. But a real fighter knows what to do in the fight, and we're just an extra pair of eyes. We just need to make sure during training camps that they don't get hurt and they train the right way. But really, really a big, big game plan? No, Kamaru is a pressure fighter who put his will on his opponents, and that was the whole game plan. Uh, that's just what he did, and that he's been doing that for the last... Seven years, so uh, I, I don't want to be a hater or something. But some coaches they, they make themselves too important. It's all about the fighter and the and the training room, the training partners, and and the and the tra- the trainers are there. It's important, but uh, but don't uh, don't put that on the on the on the highest uh, platform, you know. Hmm,
2: that's interesting. Well, let me uh, let me push back a little bit if I can. Now, beating Tyron Woodley is uh, an amazing, amazing feat. But what about the argument that, okay, you're right. You need to have this versatile ability because you never know if your opponent's going to change or what they're going to. You know, I, I, These things change so often, and you have to be well-rounded. That part I, I can understand. But what about the idea that if you yeah. fought someone so good, if you didn't have a game plan, uh, that's just not enough prep. Like, if you fought someone like John Jones, I, I, I'll be honest, I'm not sure how you beat someone like him without a game plan.
4: No, well, he's 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 the best fighter of all times for me. So it's very difficult to beat him. Uh, but uh, again, <laughs> I understand what you mean. Of course, there's a little there's a game plan. But we, at, at just in our gym we don't look at films with all the coaches write stuff down and put this stuff on paper. That other coaches does does it that way, and we do it our way. We just train in the mornings and in the evenings with a group of good fighters. Uh, with all kinds of fighters, kickboxers, wrestlers. I mean, uh, look, uh, we not have one or two UFC guys. We have 14 UFC guys, nine Bellator guys, three Glory fighters, two 1FC champions. We have so many good fighters that if you can't keep up with these guys, you just lose. If you keep up with these guys, you're going to be good everywhere. And John Jones is something special. Once every... Many, many years, a guy like that comes very difficult to beat. Everybody gets beaten, but it's very difficult to beat. And I, know, and I don't know because I fought John Jones, not me, but my fighters, Rashad and Vitor. We lost. Is it so bad if you fight ten times and you win nine times and you lose to one guy? Is it so bad? No, it's not bad. You just lose to the best fighter there is. So I know what you mean, and I understand there is game plan, but we are just work a little different. We just work out two times a day work on our stuff, make our athletes better and we really don't care about what the other guys are training for because it's too much thinking and and, and, and you never know what's gonna happen. So just make sure you're prepared. And Kamar Usman's cardio is crazy good. That's another big point from him and, and and that's what we work on. That we can go forward for five rounds. That's just really the game plan, you know and what you said is right. John Jones is the best it's the best there. He he beat everybody and he's just so good everywhere that it will be very difficult to beat. <laughs> so I don't think that's a big problem if, uh, if one guy is better than the rest. And kickboxing, winning or losing, it's a, bi- a big difference than an MMA. Here you need to have an O record and you, need to, have a lot of, you can, need to talk a lot of shit to get stuff done. In kickboxing, we fight each other. And if you lose, you go back to the drawing board, you work on stuff, and you fight each other again later on in your career. If not, so what? But here it's all about, oh, you need to be perfect and this needs to be game planned. No, you just need to fight, be at the best condition you are, and just make sure that you represent your own style, your own identity, without talking trash, just fight hard and make good fights. That's all there is. That's the way we think about it. so
2: Fair enough, and your formula is certainly working. I can I can uh, attest to that. Uh, so let's talk about Kamaru here for a second couple of things I want to start with him. If I had to ask you, and you've kind of alluded to it here a little bit, but if I could ask you in a more direct way, what makes him so good, what would you say?
4: Discipline. What do you mean? Just discipline in anything, everything he does. From training, to family, to thinking, to to everything. Discipline, uh, knowing what he wants. Knowing when to do the right stuff, uh, just like in everything—not uh, not only in the gym, everywhere. He's he's a good family man. He he's just like the correct guy, and I think he will be a great champion because he's just good, you know, uh, perfect guy, perfect guy to have. For a guy
2: who is as well muscled as he is and as skilled a wrestler and now fighter. I don't think I've seen many guys who have his kind of a gas tank for you've been around the fight game a long time, Henry.
4: How rare is that well uh, it is you're right it's uh it's he starts to get he starts to get better at round four and five you know it's just like uh, it's like a diesel he slowly uh, gets stronger and stronger and stronger and um uh, that's his big uh his big plus in the in the fights also i mean Uh, some guys say, oh, he's not the best striker, and oh, he has not the best wrestling, oh, he has not the best this, but he is disciplined, and he has will, and he believes also in the people that are with him, that's also a big thing, he believes in us, he, it's George Santiago, uh, who started seven years ago, it's me, it's Greg, all the guys were shot, all the guys he was with, we didn't bring special people in, we didn't train with special people, We, 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 we didn't do that, we have our own people, and, and that's that's another big thing uh, that that helps him being so good. He has faith in us, and uh, and yeah, and his body. But and again, uh, you see, if he takes a shirt out, it's not normal. He's built like a he's uh, he's little Francis, right? Yeah, he is bricked up. Yeah, crazy. Uh, uh, okay,
2: when did you realize he was he was not really not not? I mean, uh, he came in with a wrestling background, and he came in looking like a statue. That's not what I mean. What I mean is you can see a lot of guys who come from other combative sports and they're not necessarily cut out for MMA. When did you realize that this guy was championship MMA material?
4: Um, I think after, uh, after, a couple of, after a couple of training sessions, really, because he came with Rashad and he, uh, he trained with – I remember we talked about it in fight night with Anthony after the fight. Yeah, Anthony was just chasing around, uh, around the, the cage and everything. Because uh, Anthony, of course, was already a beast by then, but uh, but he, ha- he he always hang in there and, and he always came back. So we kind of thought, well, you know, it can be something special. And then then you need to see him fight. And then he slowly uh, on the show on Ultimate Fighter show, you saw him getting better, progressing. And again, back to the to the to the training room with so many great fighters here in in, uh, in our place. Uh, you saw him compete, uh, getting better with the kickboxers. Uh, in striking and getting also more comfortable in, uh, in in not wrestling during MMA sparring, but just st- stand, uh, keep standing up to get confident in uh, in his striking and, uh, and and then and then me again. As I do this 34 years now, you know, fighting and mm. coaching of training, it, you can just see a guy growing in, and and, and, and uh, seeing that he is on a, a certain path. Uh, with his whole life, it was his career in fighting. But also, if you see his television work when he's commentating, he does that very well. You know, he's well spoken, and he does it all, all, all very disciplined. So, yeah. But then at the end of the day, they always have to do it in the cage. And then the thing is, he does that every time when he fought. He showed he didn't lose. He probably didn't never lost a round. He just he kept getting better, better, better and better. You know. Man, It's been amazing to watch. Let me
2: uh, let me say this. He does have, I mean, look, his numbers, I just went through them at the top of the show. They're, just, they're literally historic for his weight class. He has historic numbers in terms of the volume of output and the amount of control. It's, it's amazing. Let me just say this as a minor critique, and I wonder what you make of it. I am merely an observer, so I look to you as the expert here. Yes. He, has, yes. he has eight decision wins. Is there an issue with an inability to finish? And I realize I'm asking this after he just won the UFC welterweight title, but if I could nitpick, if I could be petty – is that a criticism?
4: No, because uh, there's always something whatever you do, there's always something that people think you're not doing correct, you know. And and, and, and um I mean the same kind of been said before by uh by Kabib who's dominant, you know, that's the same stuff. Um no, I I think I think it's not a big thing. First of all you sign for a fifteen minute fight, you train for a fifteen minute fight. So that's what you do, and if a knockout or a decision or or a submission or a TKO comes, it comes. Everybody wants to uh, win fights before the the final uh, final bell, but maybe the the opponent is good, or maybe uh, you can't stop some guys. And uh, yeah, again, there's always something that people can pick up and say, oh, he's not finishing fights, or for instance, Now I have a very talented kid in my, in my gym, Shamil um, Na Nikhaev, I tried to get him signed with every organization. I'm not a manager, but I push him always. The kid is nine and zero, but he didn't finish people, but the kid has fought Russian top guys only in Russia when he was 19 and 20 years young. So of course you don't, but he dominates every every fighter. you know and then they said, "But they don't have finishes. Okay, so next time when you sign a fighter, don't sign him for five, uh, three rounds of five minutes, but sign them for finishes, you know? There are mm. some fighters in the UFC who finish fights, but they look horrible. They finish fights, but they got finished also. But these people, they don't, they don't finish fights, but they don't get finished themselves too, the durable fighters. So you know what I mean? Look, it's, yep. there's always something to be said. You know, I see people in the UFC that, 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 that win fights, and I think to myself, if I see them in the training room, what, what the hell is going on? But then when they fight in the cage, it's, it's, it's great, and people love it, especially when they start throwing spinning kicks and jumping stuff. People like it. Don't, people don't like a simple jab or a good takedown. They don't like that. They want to see jumping stuff, spinning stuff and everything. So, you know what? At the end of the day, he did what he had to do against a very dominant champion, Tyron Woodley, with a good camp, good people around him, and he dominates. So if people don't like it or people say he has to finish more fights, then step up and do it yourself, Right.
2: Fair enough. Uh, Last thing about this, and we appreciate your time, Henry. You know, you've been around the game, as I mentioned, a very long time. You've been with a lot of really successful fighters. You have a fighting background yourself. And, you know, you're around a lot of top guys all the time. Nevertheless, it does feel like this win by Kamaru is really special. I wonder what it means um, not just for you but for the gym, for the guys he's around. This one feels, it feels for me on the outside looking in, for whatever that is worth, it feels a little unique.
4: Well, it's very nice for you, Luke, to talk to, to say that, because I, I, that's another funny thing. Most of the time I get calls from people because some of our fighters are, are is in trouble or whatever, you know. They, they forget that we have the one FC champion, Ong Azong, we have the Bellator champion, Michael Chandler, and now we have Kamaru Usman. We have three champions in three different organizations, you know. Again, like I said before, 14 UFC guys, nine Bellator guys, uh, kickboxers, and we do it with three coaches and a strength and conditioning coach, called Dr. Peacock. So we do it every day. It's not a factory here. People, cannot, people don't go train somewhere else and come to us for a couple of weeks. They live here, they, they stay here, and they train here. And this win from Kamaru motivates the guys even more and to see that everything is possible, but it takes time. This is not something you can, live, you can, you can get in six weeks or in one month. It takes a lot of work and and, and a long road. You have to put a lot of miles in there. And most of the guys don't even make it. You know, they don't even make it. But he brings back that belt and he shows everybody that, yeah, I'm here. I'm always working. I'm helping you guys out. And you see what I can do. So it's always a big motivation. But we got three champions. And and he's always, of course, the biggest name. uh, But... uh, yeah, it's great to have great to have people like that around us, and as, uh, us as trainers too. These people are good people. The, uh, you know, uh, Kamau is a great guy. Michael Chandler is a really good guy. Angerzong, and then we got Robbie Lawler. We got all the guys around us that are like great. Nick Lance, everybody's help, everybody's helping each other. Um, so we got a good group of people, and there's many more good stuff to come for us, you know. And if it's belt or no belt, one thing they know when when they fight out of our our group of people is people from our group. They come they come to fight. Game planning and everything is all nice, but we come to fight. We put pressure. We come to fight. So that's what we work on.
2: Last question for you. What did you make of the stoppage in in Lawler's fight?
4: How can you stop a guy that's like relentless? The toughest guy there is, one of the toughest fighters, how can you stop a guy like that? I just can't understand that. You know I, know, I know it's difficult because as referees, they need to make split decisions. But a guy like Robbie, you need to give these guys a little more chance. And again, I don't know if the fight, if he would have won the fight or not. He was beating Ben Askren very bad, of course. But they didn't stop that fight when he, he was getting molested in the beginning of the fight. And I like that. But then give Robbie a little longer. You know, but you can't change that anymore, you know. Uh, we keep that to ourselves. Hopefully they run it back and he gets his chance. But he looked amazing in the beginning of the fight. And, and another great guy, uh, one of our, our team captains, you know, uh, Robbie Lawler. So uh, he will be back for sure.
2: Well, Henry, you guys have so much success, and I don't think if anybody was doubting it before, it's no accident. You're you're a class act and your team is just full of high achievers. Congratulations on yet another one, but I'm certainly sure it's not the last one. And thank you for your time.
4: Okay, thank you very much, Luke.
2: Bye-bye. There he goes. There Henry Hoofed. One of the best ones. Uh, okay. With that in mind, it is time now for, uh, oh, no, I can't do that. I have to get to this. I spoke to Ben Askren yesterday on the phone live from his hotel in Las Vegas about everything that went down, including everything Dana White had to say about about the post-fight press conference and some other things that have been floating out there since the fight, since the presser. Here's my conversation with him. I'm here with Ben Askren. Ben, I know it's uh, uh, you're taking some time out for me here on a Sunday. I really appreciate it. First of all, give us a health update. Your face—I gotta say—given everything that happened eh, not too bad. Yeah, I'm great, man. I'm—I'm I'm ugly already, so ain't no big deal. I got a few stitches, got a few
0: swollen eyes, but um, you know, I got—I got put in about as bad a position as you can be put against one of the hardest hitters in the division, and he got the fucking tee off on me, uh, pretty much at will. And, you know, I showed no quit. And I, and I think that should have been the story of the night, more than anything else. It's like, I dealt with a lot of adversity there. I had most guys, 98% of division covers up and takes their, takes their ass whooping. There was no quit in me. I just kept fighting. I eventually got my arm free. I got back to my base. I, I got a guard. I got up. I got the takedown. I got the choke out. Um, and, I, you know, I feel like that should have been the story of the night, more than anything. I feel like the, the ending, and Dana's whining about the ending, kind of overshadowed. Um, what I thought was uh, not an ideal performance to me, but a definitely a gritty uh, performance
2: that showed a lot of heart. So I want to get to the ending, obviously, in just a second, but let's talk about uh, the fight itself for just a moment, if we can. You know what occurred to me? I mean, I, I guess I kind of, I guess I already knew it, right? We all knew it, but Robbie Lawler appears to be quite strong. Now, you've gone up against a lot of yeah, strong know, athletes. How strong abnormally abnormally is he? Abnormally strong. Abnormally strong. I mean, I went with the, I went
0: with a lot of, I wrestled with, obviously, a hundreds thousands of people and um you know i shoot in and i drag and i kind of almost take his back i didn't have a good grip right up there in the bat uh right off the bat i mean within five seconds i think i was kind of on his back almost and he pops his hand out and i'm kind of around his neck and opposite arm and man the speed he got me up and down with like i have i've only felt a few people that powerful i have felt a few people that powerful but not a lot right i mean i was up and down fast um, and I was in a bad position right off the bat. It, it sucked,
2: and like I said, I just had to keep fighting through it. So the gift wrap that he had, where he had the the, the wrist control that allowed him to sort of be yeah. in position, and when that was happening, what were you telling yourself?
0: Uh, what I was trying to do was find, with my, with my free hand, I was trying to find his hand so he could stop punching me, but I wasn't able to find it, so as I'm trying to do that, I'm also trying to turn over and uh, free my arm. And then, I, you know, I eventually do after taking a handful of shots, which, again, is not, not ideal. But, you know, sometimes that's what happens.
2: Now, uh, you obviously got back to your feet and uh, you got the on top at a bare minimum. Maybe the stoppage was a little bit controversial, but it was a nice showing. On some level, you have to be kind of happy with this, right? There's controversy Yeah, I mean, in the end. listen,
0: Luke, Luke, the more I watch this finish, and I've watched it a handful of times today. The less controversial, I think it is. I no,
2: no, no. I don't. I don't mean that. Hold on, hold on. I don't mean that. I mean the sure. resilience you showed. Like I watched your other fights. Oh, yeah. You just run over exactly. everybody.
0: Absolutely. I mean, like, like I said, you put ninety-eight percent of people in that position where they got that, where they got slammed on their dome, and they got their wrist trapped, and Robbie Lawler bashing them in the face. Most of them, are, they're just going to do this number and cover up, you know, and just call it a day. And that, that just wasn't in the cards
2: for me. That wasn't what. That wasn't how it was going down. Um, and I said to keep fighting. All right, so let's get to the finish because it's obviously a hot topic. And it's on your mind. Absolutely. You said you've been watching it more and more. As you watch yeah. it more and more, what do you see?
0: I see, I don't know if you, but I, I, I'm holding my phone, obviously. But his hand is all the way up on my head, you know. And the thing that, that, for me, that's a dead giveaway is when it drops. It's, so, that first of all, it's a free-fall speed. And then it just, like, hits the mat. And almost, like, bounces off the mat, his hand, you know. And it's like, that is not a conscious move. It's not a movement you make when you're conscious. Um, and, you know, why I think he came back to life is, uh, I I guess the shit there was a lot of shit going on, right? And I was semi-distracted by everything going on. I was trying to, you know, lock in my position. I was kind of trying to pay attention to Herb. I was kind of trying to see what Robbie's arms were doing. I was trying to take in the whole scene, you know? And I loosen up. As Herb comes at me, I loosened up a little bit. As you know, with a blood choke, because that's what this was. All you need is a little bit, and boom, you pop right back. But the bottom line is his hand falls down, hits the mat, and it's like, dude, that was a limp arm. You were unconscious. Whether you like it or not, whether you remember it or not, you were unconscious for a slight period of time, and that's all that needs to happen in an MMA fight.
2: Now, talk me through it with from the grappling side. It looked like he was trying to reach the far hand on the back of your head, the one that ultimately dropped. when he yeah. initially put it on top, he was doing that to what? To come out and pop his head out. And, and that's I, when you grabbed it.
0: Yeah. I, so I think he thought I didn't have as good of a grip as I did. But I was all the way underneath his chin, and I crushed watermelons. You're not getting you're not I've, gonna get. I've me, seen I mean, the video. Yeah, and you're not getting me off from that. And that. that's I mean, if we want to add on to it, the fact is he was unconscious even if it was for a split second. You don't need to be unconscious more than a split second. But I had a, I had a minute 40 left. I'm underneath his chin, and there's no way out for him. I mean, what does everyone think is going to happen there? It's just over. 100, literally 100 out of 100 times, we go back to that position, the fight's going to be over.
2: Okay, so let's talk about the, where the grip was. Now, anybody who's seen the video, I'll share it on yeah. Twitter, where you have not one, oh, two watermelons, I think, at one point, and you I'm smashed them both. I'm not normally
0: strong in that position.
2: Right, right, so you were there, you're saying it was like like Carlos Newton Pat Militich, it was under the under the uh, on the carotid, or was it on the jaw
0: no i I felt like it was on the cruel, uh, neck right now, but I was on you the can't carotid. Tell that uh, yeah. the far side I thought it was on the far side of the neck, and I felt like you know i had been working I actually got Mark Lehman. I'm switching my video here so you can see. I started working on mark with Mark layman, he I was going to really that's who
2: that was up. in your corner.
0: Yes, he, started, he lives really close to me in Wisconsin. And I always heard he was like a grappling genius. So I said, you know, let me go see if I can pick something up from this guy. So we've been working on a lot of different grips and just, like, nuances of chokes. Because I've always said I can squeeze harder than anybody. The fact that I'm not choking more people out is kind of ridiculous. I, I need to be able to finish people. And so if you look when I get here and here, I'm, like, up really high on this. If you look at this, I mean, my hands are up really high to the point where there's really no way he's going to be able to go up and get the hands off of his neck. Um, and like you said, I'm under his chin. Obviously, if, if he's got a bald, skinny little head. If I'm not under his chin, I'm popping off that sucker in a second. You know um,
2: what I'm saying? Yes. So, okay. But from there, like, were your hips driving into it? I'm just pulling up on it like this number right here. Okay. But what I'm saying is to to what extent okay. is that a hip, also a hip-driven choke?
0: I don't need my hips, Luke. I squeeze stronger than anyone you know.
2: There we go. There's the picture. Yeah, I lost you for a second. Sorry.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, we're
2: Yeah, good. You're good. There we are. Just no, needs to go I, up I, a little bit.
0: No, I was just pulling here. That, that's, uh, and that's frankly, that's all I need.
2: Okay. So what did you make of two different comments? One, Lawler, first of all, I have to say, I know he's going to disagree, but I don't know if you heard it. He he could have made it a big deal, and he's really not making it a big deal. There must be some relief on your part for that.
0: Um. Yeah. I mean, Robbie's a pro. I, I, you know, I think, you know, I talked to him. Right, I talked to him backstage. It didn't seem like a big deal. Um, and, You know, I guess the other thing that I would add on to this is, you know, he said his ear was covered, but if you watch the video, the ear was clearly not covered on the far side. Um, and Herb says three times, "Are you okay? Are you okay? Okay." And there, and there was no response from him. And everyone knows the referee comes backstage and says, "Hey guys, you know, if I if I ask you and you don't do anything, I'm going to stop the fight." So I think that's the other thing to add in there that's an obvious to me um but yeah robbie robbie was fine with it and then uh yeah i'm sure you're gonna ask about dana
2: uh, i'm gonna ask about dana in one second When you say the far side you mean the ear that was not on your body the ear that was on your arm
0: ears is open
2: what about the idea that he gave a thumbs up
0: uh i saw like that video um and i you know i don't know what's going on there but obviously like i said i think I did loosen. When Herb came at me the first time, I loosened a little bit. So who knows? Maybe that was enough to let a little blood back in where he woke back up. And uh, you did jujitsu, Luke, you've been choked out. I've been choked out. Man, sometimes you get choked out and you wake back up and you don't feel like anything happened. You know that.
2: Yeah, especially with the blood chokes, obviously, as you indicated before. And it can really depend on the squeeze. It's a, it's a weird situation, I think. All right, so let's talk about it. Dana was saying... He agreed that it was a bad stoppage and that they want to run it back. Since you talked about it at the presser, have you talked to him or anyone else at UFC staff?
0: Oh, Dana? Well, I talked to Hunter Campbell We will meet up with him in London. I am going to London. Ali Abdelaziz just called me out for fighting Marty, even though they put Colby versus Marty. Uh, that literally happened 10 minutes ago on Twitter. So I'm trying to get to the bottom of that because I thought that other fight was already announced. Uh, yeah, see, now you're going to check your
2: Twitter. But Yes, I didn't know he did that.
0: Yeah, weird, right? That was literally like two minutes before we popped on this call. Um, so I'm going to try to figure out what that's all about because I thought they made Marty versus Colby. Um, yeah, I mean, Dana's disdain for me is like so clear and evident. And it's so hilarious because he keeps saying, no, I like you, Ben. I don't dislike you. But then like literally every action, every body language tells a totally different story. that That he is like somehow repulsed by me. He hasn't liked me forever. He didn't like me in 2013 when they refused to sign me. He doesn't like me now. I I have offered to sit down with the guy multiple times and be reasonable, like two adults should do. He's not taking me up one time. I genuinely don't know what his problem with me is.
2: So wait a second. He said that I remember when you were in New York, you came back there. I was there when you did the scrum and the whole bit and that you wanted to meet with him. He says he never even heard you wanted to meet.
0: I grabbed him by the neck. I said, Dana, let's sit down and talk. And he said, why? I said, because I want to straighten things out. He says, you're here, aren't you? Amy, yeah. come here. <laughs> come here. My wife's right over here. He you used to be gripped by the neck. I was there. He, brushed him off. he brushed me off. I've also texted him. The man brushed. The man clearly doesn't want to sit down and have a conversation with me. I actually texted one of the other high-ups at UFC today and said, "Like, listen, I'm not asking for more money. I'm not. I'm asking to sit down and have a conversation for 30 minutes. That shouldn't be too much to ask. really okay. be too, That's something that a reasonable person should to sit down and have with me.
2: All right, but at this point, what are you really hoping to accomplish? I mean, it, it, okay, you got the Lawler fight, right? Are they gonna Are they gonna keep giving you bad fights?
0: To get on the same page, what's your freaking problem with me? What is your problem? That's what I want to know. What's your problem? What is your guess? I, to this point, uh. I mean, I had other thoughts, like, you know, about what happened in 2013. Right now, I don't know. I think he just doesn't like me. Like, there's just, you know, there's just some people, Luke, that you probably see, and they just rub you the wrong way, and there's just something about me that rubs him the wrong way. But, you know, sometimes you have those situations, and, uh, you know, I love when when me and someone else aren't working together, hey, let's sit down and talk it out. I mean, I've had so many people that they thought something was wrong. We sit down, we talk it out. Hey, we're all good, man. There was miscommunication. There was something that was, wasn't was vibing, and now we're good. Um, and that's, you know, I mean, that's like the minimum that should be happening is sitting down and having a 30-minute conversation. It's so obvious. It's so easy. It takes no money. It takes no effort. I've made multiple offers. The fact that it's not happening is just, like, perplexing to me.
2: I'll say this. You saw Colby. Colby got one just by uh, running up on Dana at the blackjack table. They did, in fact, both confirm that they talked for a few minutes afterwards. Are you – because you're trying to handle this like a pro. Like you want to be, yeah. hey, let's have a formal meeting. That was, that but, was amateur. Yeah. Okay, it may have been amateur, but it worked. Well, you have a good point
0: there. So, you know, I, I went through other channels. I tried talking to some other high-ups and said, hey, why, why is Dana – why will Dana not sit down with me? Why is he literally refusing to do so? I mean, literally, I didn't, I didn't hear a peep from the guy after the fight last night. I didn't see, hear one word. I didn't get text. Nothing. I mean, and literally, that's how it's been since I signed with UFC in in November. I haven't heard anything. I've heard nothing from the guy.
2: All right. So, um, let's talk about this Ali Abdelaziz tweet. Ben Askren versus Kamaru. Say again? You just saw that tweet. Yeah, I just saw that tweet. He tagged you in it. And uh, what do you make of that?
0: I have no idea. I mean, I literally got it two minutes before I got on this phone call. So, I don't don't know what to make of it. Obviously, you know, I thought Colby and Marty was um, announced last night, which – you know, hey, listen, if Colby if gets screwed again, I got no issue with that. Colby's the jabroni. Um, uh, you know, and, and this was like, you know, this was a path that I hadn't even gone down because I didn't really see a scenario where, where Tyron lost to uh, Marty. So I hadn't even started thinking this way. And so, um, you know, now that he's calling me out, I'm, I'll probably have to talk to Tyron a little bit and um, see where we go from there.
2: Would you be, like, how, how does...
0: I called him out on Twitter today. We got some good back and forth going. Uh, and I already have my plate I did plate see that. Oh, you know, I, I got banned. And that's the thing, like I said, with me in the welterweight division, I got so many great options on my plate.
2: That's why you don't want to run it back, right? It's because there's so many different variables that are positive uh, to move forward. did
0: I want to Robbie in the first place. I didn't want – literally the first phone call I had with uh, Hunter Campbell, who's uh, high up at the UFC. He's in legal counsel. Um, he says how about robbie i said well i have all these other guys i don't like and he says how about robbie i said okay okay let's go i'm not i'm not here to, to be a little whiner about who i'm fighting that's who you want me to fight we're fighting boom done right, you know right, doing hard negotiations nothing let's go now i fought him now i got all these other people on my list let me go start taking people off my list
2: so let's go through these real very quickly. To what extent, I, you hadn't given any thought, I get it, but he did lose, and he made an argument, Tyron did, about why he should get a rematch, not based on the performance, which he acknowledged up front, but that the resume. Maybe that works, maybe it doesn't, but have, has his loss changed your perception about what title opportunities are available to you this year?
0: Well, um, like I said, I haven't. I, you know what, I haven't talked to Tyron. I, we texted a little bit today. Um, I haven't really talked to him about those possibilities because I wasn't really even thinking about them. Man, really, I just kind of enjoyed my day. I woke up, uh, hung out with my wife and my family. We, went to the, we actually went to the P.I., the little hot tub, cold tub, met another friend for lunch, came back, took a nap, and we we're going to go to dinner. So, I mean, I'm just trying to have a relaxing Sunday, and all this crazy stuff's
2: happening. All right, and about Darren Till, what do you make of him calling you? By the way, I didn't realize the Perfect. Brits call us Muppets or something?
0: I but Listen, he uses all these, I think it's like English insults that I don't really fully understand. It's whatever, we're going to fight in a cage. That's all I
2: want. Uh, and you would take a title fight if the UFC offered it, and Tyron was okay with it, right?
0: Yeah, I would. I would consult Tyron first, but
2: um, as long as he, you know, kind of gave his blessing, yeah, of course. All right. Uh, have you given up on an opportunity with Dana? Are you moving on from it? No,
0: I mean, listen. Uh, am I going to be like depressed if it doesn't happen? The answer is no. I'll move on my life. But do I think that's probably the best course of action for everyone involved? Yeah, it is. Listen. Um, you know, there was multiple polls out. UFC 235 was a really big card. There was many different polls that showed the fight people were most excited for was me. I'm going to be a big star in this company, and I don't see a good reason why Danny and I shouldn't get on the same page. It doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. I have all the capabilities of being a big star. I've proven that already. Let's just get on the same page. So we have. don't stop making start. You know, don't have to keep making this really difficult by each other.
2: All right, before you go, I know you got time to or you have things you have to do with your time. Yeah. You're gonna fly to London. Prediction for that Masvidal and Till main event.
0: Uh I think it's a good fight. I you know, I think I think Masvidal has the ability to beat Darren Till, but you you know, the best version of George Masvidal doesn't always show up. The best version of George Masvidal shows up, I think he's got a decent chance of winning. Um mm-hmm. but I think it's probably more likely that Darren
2: Till wins. All right, Ben. You've had a crazy week. I've seen your numbers; they've exploded on even for MMA exploded. fighting.
0: We'll
2: they've been tell crazy. Me,
0: tell me, tell Dana that I'm gonna be a big star.
2: <laughs> I don't think he. Li- I don't think he likes me too much either. I'm no. I'm no help to you there. So
0: who does he like?
2: Uh, Brett Okamoto. I'll talk to Brett. Yeah, you got to get him with Brett. All right, Ben. Enjoy, look, enjoy your Sunday. Congratulations on your win, and thank you for your time. Uh, thanks. See ya. Yeah. Pe- Brett's a nice guy. people like him. Me a little less so. <laughs> all right. It's time now for the sound off. Uh, let's go here to my man. There he is the uh let me think of something good here. I can't think of much. I don't know. I don't know what it is. He's the ropa to my vieja. <laughs> it's all that stuff. What's up, buddy? How are I'm you doing? is here? Uh, let me make a note here before we yeah. continue. I have to apologize to uh, Dominic Cruz. Dominic Cruz and I spoke yesterday on the phone. Oh, excuse me. Uh, on uh, Well, we spoke yesterday. I did an interview with him, but we had technical difficulties, and I was not able to use the interview. So that's not his fault. That's mine. So I'm going to make sure we, if he doesn't see this, I'm going to make sure that we tell him in person, or you know, I'll, I'll make sure we talk to him. But, uh, Dominic, that is my fault. I apologize for that. I apologize for wasting your time. He had really interesting things to say, and I'm sorry I couldn't bring it to the audience. So, that one's on me. Um, I owe him a big one, and I intend to make sure I can make it up to him. All right. With that out of the way, sir, how was your weekend, by the way? It was way? good. Yeah? Full of MMA. Great card. Yeah, you know what? Uh, yeah. you know, uh, it, 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 I'm not going to say it didn't deliver. Relative to crazy expectations, it fell a little bit short, but... Yeah. It was good.
5: Yeah, what what I liked about this card, this card is that you know, in many other cards, like you know, the prelims start and you can kind of just you know wander off a little bit and just have it on and, and tune tune out. But in this one, right from the start, it was like, okay, this is an interesting fight. Diego Sanchez, Mickey Gall, sign me up. Zabi, Jeremy Stevens, sign me up. Yeah. Like every single fight, you're like, okay, I gotta tune in and focus on this, yeah. which which is what you want as an MMA fan, right? Yeah, it certainly is. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's get this going. Alright, so I had a different order here, but I, you know, I'm going to take it a different route. We're going to start with uh, Robbie Lawler because I feel like that's probably, the, Asker and Lawler finish probably the biggest, one of the biggest talking points. Yeah, certainly is. Um, and I have a few things to say about that, all right, so
2: all
5: right. this, the, let's do that
2: first. Hey guys, Sebastian from Indiana. I I really want to talk about the Ben Asker and Robbie Lawler fight and the stoppage. Uh, it did kind of look like he was out real time, but You can clearly see in footage now that everything is out of Herb lifting his hand and Robbie giving the thumbs up. You can also tell clearly that Ben's forearm isn't under Robbie's neck. That's a blood choke that's going on there. I mean, Robbie clearly gives the thumb up and you just know that he's trying to push blood back to his brain. That was a blood choke. The arteries were cut off. Can can you please talk to us about this and maybe explain to people the difference and, uh, Yeah, man, what do you think about everything that's happening, there? Thank you.
5: So the truth is that nobody knows if it's a blood choke or not, right? Like sometimes you get just a tiny little bit of space enough for you to be all right. Only Robbie knows that, you know, for the most part. Yeah, I mean, even Ben I you know, you can get a choke. Sometimes you feel like you are effect- You have an effective choke, but you don't. Um, but, you know, I don't know. It was a weird stoppage. Um, what I would say is, you know, with my years of training in jiu-jitsu, the first tournament I ever competed in, I got choked out unconscious. <laughs>
2: um,
5: I had, like, three weeks of experience in jiu-jitsu. I had wrestled two years prior. So I'm like, yeah, I'm sure I'll be fine. Shot for a double, like, in the first like 15 seconds and then got put to sleep. True story. When I was in the choke, the choke was 100% of blood choke clean. I think I could even breathe. That's how clean it was. Um, And I just started getting tingling sensation on my fingertips and on my feet. And it started escalating to my hands and my arms. And it was kind of just creeping up to my body. And then at one point I was still conscious, but I I tried to tap, but I couldn't even use my hands to tap because they were just not responsive. Mm -hmm. Like it was, they were just, it was just my brain that was still on. And then you know, I got the tunnel vision, went out, and I could hear everything, but I just couldn't see anything. So I was I was still kind of there, and I woke up, and I, I knew exactly what happened. I knew I was choked out unconscious. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so with that being said, like, you know, I don't know. The, the arm goes down, sure. You know, he puts the hands up, but, like, it, it could be on that sweet spot where he was still awake and he was still going out. Who knows, but you know, wh- where do you where do you stand on that?
2: Again, I don't know. Nobody people are yeah. gonna say they know. Oh, we know, we know. Nobody really knows. Here's what I think I know. Here's what I believe, here's what I believe the evidence shows. Uh, I think he was quite conscious. I don't think I disagree with Ben. I know why Ben believes that. By the way, if you've never seen that video of Ben squeezing not one but two watermelons yeah. and popping them against his chest, he is abnormally strong in that position. So he's telling the truth there. And and I don't know that he is wrong, but my my why would you keep the hand over the head of Askren? The, when you, the reason why Lawler reached for it to begin with is because so you can get it and then pop your own head out um, by, by controlling his and then using that as a lever to, to free yours. Once he goes to bulldog choke, that, that opportunity is no longer there. Leaving it up there makes no sense. So it had to come down at some point. Going limp can be strategic. I mentioned this before. If someone's put a choke on you, you know this, Danny, and you can tell it's a little bit off and you can feel them squeezing, what are you going to do? You're just going to yeah. wait. You're going to wait. You're uh, going to wait. And there could be ways to do that. But here's the thing. How unscientific is it to take someone's arm and go, you know, and you're yeah. trying to see how it's like it's 30% lifelike. Like no one really knows. It's really a crude test. And poor Herb Dean, at first I thought it was a really bad stoppage, and mm-hmm. I still don't think it was a good one. But here is my point about this. You got you got Askrin bulldogging. Not and this is not like Carlos Newton and Pat Militich, where he was completely under the chin. He was about to pop Pat Militich's head off like a champagne cork. You have Lawler looking down. He can't look at the referee. You look at the one I have showed yeah. with Big John and Holly. Dude, he can see her entire body and the whole thing, and then she's making these unnatural reactions. You know what I mean? That's a great way to assess what's happening there. And he made a decisive, important call. Herb Dean was not in a position to make a decisive call, but we're asking them to make decisive calls. And then we don't empower them really to fix it with any kind of mechanism if something goes wrong. And so for Bob Bennett to so glibly say, I just, I, I mean, I was so shocked. He said that this is a no brainer. I was like, dude, this is why fighters are angry all the time. And when they make money, they don't wanna fight anymore because they get treated like cattle. They have no rights, they have no way of fighting back, they have no mechanism to protect their interests. And so I was really, I was actually sickened by what he had to say.
5: Yeah, and, and poor Herb Dean, he's, he's been catching a lot of heat, but like, dude, even the commentators, like on the live look, everybody thought he was out. I go, oh, he went out, right? And then when you see the replay, when you see the slow mo, when you see the different angles, then you go, you know, it was probably a bad call, right? But, like, at the moment, he looked out, you know, so you can't really blame, you know, Herb Dean. Could he have done some things better? Yes. Could he have maybe taken more time? Yes. But, again, you're asking him to make these decisions on, what, a second, two seconds.
2: Dude, so every very very difficult Every job. other sport, even soccer now, has VAR. Yes. And in football, American football, if the referees or the umpires make a bad call – if it, depending on the circumstance, it gets automatically reviewed. The coach can throw a challenge flag. The AAF now has what they call the sky referee. So, for example, in the NFC Championship game, right,
5: I'm gonna pull off a of Kanye right here. I'm gonna let you finish, but hold
2: on, I'll make it fast.
5: I'll make it fast. I got. Well, there's a question about that. Right. About the instant replay. So I don't know if you want to save your
2: thoughts. I'll just for that. I'll just say one thing. It's not about okay. instant replay. In the NFC Championship game, the Saints receiver got uh, hit, and there was no flag. In the AAF, this new smaller football league, they have a way to to, to to fix that. The point being is this, dude. Referees make bad calls. It's inevitable, right? Give them an opportunity to do something about it. And what that is, we can all figure out. But just saying, well, fight's over. Fuck it. It's like this is, this is not how this is supposed to go. Put Herb Dean in the position to make the best choices possible, and they don't do that.
5: Yeah. Yeah, you want to empower referees, right? You want to give them – and give them you know, options, things that they could use to, to to make their job a lot easier. All right, well, let's talk about what follows next from that fight.
1: Hey, Luke. It's Michael from New York. Um, so for me, look, I want to talk about Ben Asker and Robbie Lawler, and I completely understand why I think it was an early you know, stoppage. I don't. I don't think Robbie was intelligently defending. But that doesn't really have to do with my question. The main reason to my question is, you know, Dana White was saying how he wants, you know, Robbie Lawler and Ben Asker. Gonna run that back. And whether you think it was early or not, I think that is absolutely you know completely dumb. And I'll and I'll tell you why. And I kind of want to hear your opinion on this as well. Um, R- Robbie Lawler, you know, is kind of at the end of his career. Doesn't really talk shit, right? Um, ben Askren has two or three years to be a really good draw. And whether you know the result is with you know with question. Next time he gets in the cage, he's one to zero in the UFC, right? And then we're gonna move forward. And he showed heart. Um, I want Ben Askren to fight someone that's gonna talk shit with him as well as, you know, continue to move above the ranks because he can be, you know, such... He does, he, his social media numbers are great. So what do you think about running that fight back? Because I know you thought the stoppage was early. Do you still agree with me that maybe running the fight back might not be the best idea? Let
2: me know. Been asking Robbie Lawler, too. <sighs> well, again, fight night, I thought it was a bad stoppage. Now I think it's a bad stoppage, but one that's under... We, the language we use is not right. It was good. It was bad. I think it's a different... Way we need to frame it, I think we need to frame it as um, justifiable, understandable really that's that 's a better way to look at it, and then some stoppages will be good, and some will be bad, but using that as the sole binary by which to judge, I think is unhelpful i 'm torn man um, if if robert if Robbie really wants it, I think it 's the right thing to do, but if he 's kind of okay with moving on, and I agree with the caller, dude Ben. Everyone talked S on the MMA uh, beat back when it was still me, Ariel, and Chuck, and everybody else. And I think it was me and Chuck or me and Ariel, one of us, one pair of us were both like, dude, could you imagine Ben Askren, the ultimate heel, although he turns out to be a hero in the company, but uh, going up against St. Pierre, and everyone was like, this is a ludicrous idea. He has no star potential. I'm like, ooh, that is totally wrong. Dude, look at him now. He is yeah. out there rocketing. He is right. If he keeps going, he is going to be a big star in the company. He has to keep winning, of course, blah, blah, blah. If you're asking me, are there more compelling fights for him to make that can make a lot of money and would be amazing fun? Yeah. There are. It's not the Lawler yeah. fight. So I don't really know what the right answer is.
5: Same here. And also, I feel like by pitting him, this caller's right, by pitting him up against Lawler, you're not maximizing Ben's star potential or, or you know, the attributes that Ben brings, which, sure, you know, fight-wise, he's, he's a fantastic wrestler. Um, but uh, But outside of it, you know, he's also a fantastic trash talker. And, you know, it's hard for him. I mean, he was picking fights with everybody but Robbie. Like, right, the whole trash talk was about, you know, Kamara Usman, Colby, everybody else but uh, mm-hmm. Robbie. So I'd like to see him put in, in that kind of situation um, where, you know, he's able to do that. So moving on wouldn't be, wouldn't be bad. I also feel like Robbie Lawler didn't really take an L, although officially on his record, you know, it counts as an L. But, dude.
2: Robbie Lula looked amazing. He looked he's the best he's ever looked in, in in a bit. So This is why we need some kind of scenario. I was thinking about like what could you yeah. do? How about a scenario where if both competitors agree, you either start in neutral position or you start in some kind of he could start with a a, a a lock around the waist or something. There there are ways to figure this out if we take the idea seriously that we have to we have to not allow a questionable call to dictate the outcome. Yeah. Like, why do we have to do that? You know, again, Herb is Herb is being asked to make, like, the most difficult choice imaginable, and maybe he's not going to get it right. Literally referees in every sport get it wrong, but most sports find ways yeah. to fix that. If you had replayed that or done something else in that fight, again, what that is we can debate, you wouldn't even have to have this question. You yeah. could just move on to the next thing. Yeah. So
5: to, to answer that, I wouldn't I would like for him to get another matchup, but – I wouldn't mind revisiting that fight, maybe like a down fight or two down the line. Yeah. that'd be that'd be fun. That's a good. Idea. I like uh, that. An interesting uh, rematch. Yeah, if they both keep winning, that'd be a good one. Yeah, and then you build that up, like, oh, what happened? Who really won? You know, what's going on? Yep. All right. Well, I feel like this is all leading up to that instant replay question. So okay. let's skip these others and, and let's go straight to that. Okay. I might end this early because it's, hey, it's a bit Liz, this is Aubrey from Richmond, Virginia.
2: Hey, a question RBA, about the use
5: of instant replay in
3: MMA. It's really maddening as a fan that uh,
1: the use of instant replay is only used in uh, the UFC, I guess, for fight ending sequences. Uh, to what extent, I guess I'm curious to know, to what extent uh, can the use of instant replay be used in fight ending sequences that don't end properly? Case in point, the Robbie Lawler-Ben Askin Fight on Saturday um at that particular point at which the fight had been stopped, can instant usage have been used to, I guess, more or less judge whether or not Robbie Lawler was
2: actually out or not? And if he was clearly not out, can the fight have been uh, restarted from that point? Okay, I got the answer to this. So appreciate Aubrey from RVA, uh, yeah. one of America's truly great cities. Uh, so here's what the old regulations say, and most states are like this. Um, Instant replay can be used at the conclusion of a contest or exhibition stopped immediately due to an injury or an unarmed combatant pursuant to NAC 467.718. They have since amended their con- or their bylaws, Danny. So here's how it works now. The referee may, at any time during a contest or exhibition, call a timeout to consult with officials of the commission or to view replay footage. So the issue is not whether he could have viewed the footage, but what the footage empowers him to to say mm-hmm. I don't think it would ever empower him to either reverse the call or um, uh, or to have it restart in some capacity. Once you use instant replay, the fight is over. Yes. So, yes, he could have used instant replay, I suppose, to get a second look or to, I don't know. I'm not exactly sure in what capacity viewing this would have helped, but this is my point. He doesn't have the tools to go over a decision. Now, maybe he doesn't regret the decision, but let's say that he did. He has no opportunity to fix anything, and there's going to be a scenario where the referee clearly gets it wrong. They know they're going to get it wrong, and they have to sort of live with it. Yeah.
5: Dude, MMA is full of dumb rules. This is one of them. Like, how on earth... Like, if you call instant replay, it's the, the replay to to figure out what decision you're going to make on the fight as far as, like, how how it end, you know, DQ, or you're going to give a win to, et cetera. But why can't we just set up the replay where you can go back and look and see, okay, well, he clearly wasn't out, maybe start him from a similar position and and let the fight go on? I mean, I can understand the the claim where, like, you know oh, we, like, you know, there's, you're stopping the action, we're taking breaks, but like, how about when there's an out, a, a eye poke or a groin shot? We're still stopping the action, giving the fighter five minutes to recoup, and then starting
2: the fight again. You know? or, mm-hmm. or, or, why can't we just do that? Right. You know? I don't know. I don't know. They want to limit what referees can do. And by the it's way, ridiculous. didn't Herb Dean or who was refereeing the, the main event? It was Herb, right? Uh, I believe so, yeah. And then Herb asked somebody if they'd seen the replay on the Smith-Jones knee. Yeah, I could hear him being like, did you see it? And in that case, it was helpful. It was like, well, here was a thing. It was fine. Or yeah. whatever. it was illegal, but he's okay, or blah, blah, blah. They were able to use it in that kind of a way to avoid the worst-case scenario. Okay, fine. Um, or they took two points or whatever. Uh, yeah. But uh, was it that fight? I can't remember. Uh, in any event, yeah, yes. Yeah, he took two points. Uh, in any event... Um, but we we they, these guys just have a real limited tool belt about what what they can do, so we just have to end up living with these deeply unsatisfying results. And then yeah, we, it was no brainer. It's like oh my god, <laughs> I mean I can't believe this person has a job. All right, next. All right, let's talk about the main event winner. All right, lad. This is Keith from Scotland Five Cricody. So I just wanted to quickly talk about John Jones. Now it's great that to accent. get back to normal regime champion against contender.
1: See some normal normalcy in the division. But when the contenders are guys like Santos, Smith, Johnny Walker, Reyes, I feel like when you've got a talent like John Jones, this might be wasting him a bit. Now, Reyes might be a top prospect, and the one that Dana wants, Santos, that would be an exciting fight, but we know where this is ending up.
2: I feel like if we're going to use John Jones, we should really get some world-class competition in there. Get Rockholder Romero up. Jones the heavyweight. I guess my question is just... Is there really that much interest seeing Jones against a guy like Santos, no matter how exciting he is? All right, thanks. Well, P.S., please unblock me, at Keith Farrell (laughs) on Twitter. Thanks.
5: (laughs) Uh, I'll I'll send you that uh, that handle. Anytime I hear that accent,
2: you may not get this. Anytime I hear this accent, I always think, head, pants, no. Do you know that from the movie? No. So I Married an Axe Murderer? Uh, So here's my sense of things. No... Danny, does anybody really think that John Jones versus Tiago Santos is somehow more interesting than John versus, you know, Kane before losing to Francis or Stipe or DC at heavyweight? Nobody believes that. Nobody yeah. nobody would argue that. Not the point. The point is the champion has the title. If you're going to have the title, you need to defend it against the most worthy contenders. Yes. They are entitled to an opportunity at least to get it. If he wants to remain a light heavyweight, then these are the directions we go. Tiago Santos is out there just putting the boots to the to these people. Yeah. He deserves a shot. Let's see it. That's it. Simple as that. Dude, I'm all for
5: it. I actually like this better than all the super fights and making everything the biggest fight possible and champ, champ, and all this. Dude, let's just get champions defending their belts. No matter if the contender's world class or not. No matter whether you think the contender, you know, doesn't have a chance. Let's just see his fights. Like, let's just you know get the ball rolling. You know, I feel like all these championships, uh, you know, are stuck because people just want to do super fights. I'm, I'm down for Jones versus Santos.
2: You know, completely fine with that. Love it. Again, I don't want to, uh, you know, yes, things. Yeah. I, I'm not, does that look, put some other exciting fights on the card that are a little bit, you know, more glamorous, a little yeah. sexier. Let's move on. It's good.
5: Yeah, for sure. So there was a lot of uh, referee controversy. So um, let's address what happened in the Coming event.
2: Okay.
1: Hey, Luke and Danny. My name's Kenny, and I'm calling from Flushing, Queens.
2: Queens. Uh, now I like
1: Mark Goddard a lot, and I think he's a great ref. But his decision to separate Usman and Woodley was questionable on several occasions. And I thought his, it's a fight, Kamaru comment, was pretty rude and ignorant. Uh, you know, it's weird because he's usually really good about being assertive but respectful. So I was just wondering, what do you make of his decisions during that fight? And a quick second question. Is GSP kicking himself now for not fighting Woodley? And how do you think a fight between them would have gone uh, now that we've seen Usman's performance? I know
2: hindsight's 2020, but, you know, it's fun to talk about hypotheticals. All right, thanks, guys. Uh, GSP wanted that big money. That's what he yeah. wanted. So, you know, I'm not saying you couldn't make big money against Tyron, but, you know, he's talking about Habib at his peak of popularity. That's what yeah. he wanted that for. Um, why don't you go first on this one? Well... Because uh, you thing, got all
5: wrapped yeah, up in the Twitter beef. I got beef. wrapped up in this Twitter beef with John Agnew, Nick and, and pro, pro Mark Pro tip, Goddard. Danny. Never tweet. I do yeah. it all the time. Never, yeah. tw- never tweet. Yeah, yeah. I'm slowly learning. <laughs> um, but look, I, I think Mark Goddard is one of the best referees out there. Agreed. Um, but I did, when he said the comment of, Kamaru, this is a fight, I was like, that did kind of rub me the wrong way because the man was fighting. It might not be exciting, but he's working. Like even if it's not much, like remember when they were just in fit, like on over under tied up and he's just punching the body. Like you're not gonna knock anybody out with that. But the man's still working, like nonstop. Whether it's stomping the foot, whatever it is, the man the man is is active. Um, so yeah, I thought I thought Usman was active from start to finish, and that was one of the reasons why he was so successful against Tyron Woodley. And, yeah, yeah, I was I was in complete disagreement with, with the break of action. Same thing with, um, especially because it's a title fight. Remember the cejudo uh, Demetrius Johnson fight? Like, when Cejudo was just dominant on top and people were claiming, oh, they should get more stand-up. Like, he's not doing much. Yeah. Dude, he's holding him down. He, you know, this is a world-class fight. Like, every single little inch matters. Um, I think Margot is a, a, a great referee, but, you know, I, I didn't agree with his, with his calls of... of you know, halting, you know, resuming the action. All right, so look, the game.
2: these referees take a beating on social media. Yeah. So if Mark is watching this, like, um, you know, Mark, Danny and I, I, think the world of your abilities. Yes, he's amazing. He's, he's I, I, I would trust him to be a referee yep. in the most important contest. I also, however, don't understand what he meant by that. Like, it's a fight. I'm like, did you see his totals? I mean, they're absurd. Okay, so I don't. I don't know exactly what that is. I will say this, Danny, this is where I differ from most people. Yeah. You know, you have some of these purists, and I think I would classify Joe Rogan as one. I could be wrong about that, but it's my hunch when he's like, I think all stand-ups should be earned. Um, Well, I don't exactly want unearned stand-ups, but I don't think our sense of earned is the same thing. There are absolutely scenarios where the person on top and bottom can both be stalling in their own way. It happens all the time. And there can be cases where the guy on bottom can be stalling and the person on top is willing to let them stall. There can be all kinds of scenarios like that. For example, Danny, if I'm against the fence and you're trying to take me down and I'm digging an underhook and I'm pushing the head and I'm not really going to do much else and you're going to wrap around my legs, you're not really going to do much else, and then we sit there, some people are like, let them work. No, break them up. Yeah. I, really, I don't know why he made the decision to break them up, I will be honest, I did not have a problem with it. I think this is a sport, yes. Dude, Mm -hmm. if you watch collegiate wrestling, those donks are on their whistle constantly forcing action. And I I get that you don't want to be so interruptive that you change the course of a fight. On the other hand, if they're kind of stuck in these semi-neutral positions and Kamaru's not much of a guard passer, he did get to mount once, but he kind of found himself there pretty quickly. He's not a heavy guard passer. Yeah, Move him along. I don't really Mm -hmm. have an issue with it. But I realize I, I, I get I'm outside yeah. the norm on that one.
5: No, I think there's clear instances where a guy's stalling. He's looking at timeout. But I don't know. I really didn't get that sense with, with Kamaru in, in certain situations. He, he was working the whole time. and That was part of his strategy, just wearing on, on Tyron Woodley. But Yeah,
2: yeah so he is a bad example. When I say stall, I'm talking about more what you see it is when someone goes for a takedown along the fence. Yeah. And they just kind of let each other. Both know if one makes the mistake, the whole thing blows up for them. So they kind of just hold where they are. And I've seen a lot of people be like, why are they separating them? You know, separate those donks. I don't want to see yep. the referee swallow the proverbial whistle in this particular case. Let them, let them know. It's just it's hard to know what Mark Goddard meant. By that, but dude, understand Mark Goddard's position because I know he got bitter at John Anik about it. Dude, they roast this guy every time he doesn't make the perfect call, and yeah. Herb Dean gets roasted as well. All these guys, and get when they burned. make perfect calls, they don't get any praise they for it. They get nothing, you know, it's dude. It's just like, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do, you know. And I know, look, you'd be like, well, that's what they signed up for. I know, yeah. but it's it. Their lives are difficult, and yeah, they're sensitive about it, and I get it. It's personal, and so I I think it'd be helpful, Danny, if he explained yeah. what he meant. But um, I wasn't overly bothered by it, I, although I grant it was confusing.
5: Yeah. Disclaimer,
2: Herb Dean, Mark Goddard,
5: excellent referees. Yeah. Thank you for you know being part of the sport. Yeah. Um, they are not the problem. They are not the problem. Yes. All right, now let's discuss. Uh, let's talk about two other guys on on the on the card uh, on opposite ends of the on the spectrum, but nonetheless uh, interesting uh, storylines here. Okay.
1: Hello, Luke. Hello, Danny. My name's Tom, and I'm Liverpool. from Liverpool. Ah, uh, you can hear that Just want to say, love the show. Always tuned in. Um, just a couple of what next, really, for a couple of fighters who fought at the weekend.
2: Listen to um, that Cody accent. Cozy
1: Garbrandt. Really like him as a fighter, but on the end of three brutal knockouts. Where does he go next? And um, also Johnny Walker. What's next for him after his brutal knockouts? Um I think, personally, a fight between him and Thiago Santos would be unbelievable with the winner getting a title shot. Um, And, yeah, just want to say again, love the show. Thanks for taking me question. Bye-bye.
2: What an accent that is. Amazing
1: I
5: love the Scouser
2: accent, man. It's amazing. I I,
5: I played that question like four times.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Cool accent. Uh, shots to Liverpool, man. Great place. Uh, We need a translator whenever I go and I speak the King's English. All right. Um... Let's start with Garbrandt. Boy, that was a tough one. Dude, that was a All tough right, one to he, watch. Yeah. You you, you uh, tackle that one first cuz I got um, my own views on so it. So I asked Dominic Cruz about it last night. He guess he, his point was and I don't want to speak for him and I again I ruined everything so it's my fault, but um his point was like, yeah, that can happen. It can happen where you get hit and you just go on autopilot, which was Garbrandt's explanation that they had clashed heads and he just went he, he you know, he raged out. Um I think he's still working through some of those demons, man. I think he's still, I, I think that last loss to Dillashaw, I think it bothered him and I think it set him back. And, I, you know, remember, Cody was one of the guys who was contender for what, 2017 or so for fighter of the year, man. Yeah. He had a ridiculous year. From unranked to champion. It was just an amazing yep. run. I still believe in that guy, but I think he's gotten inside his own head a little bit. And I don't know what the answer was for it. I thought maybe this Munoz fight would get him on the right track. If you told me that Munoz was going to win, dude, it's the UFC, man. You're going to have tough-ass fights in this league. Yeah. Okay. But to lose by knockout in the way that he did, man, that was utterly preventable. Uh, he's too talented. Cody Garbrandt is too talented for stuff like this. And so yeah. I don't know what to make of it. Other, If he says he just got on autopilot, that's great. But I, I would like to – he can make better choices. We've seen him make better choices. How is it that the guy that beat Dominic Cruz yes. did this? it just it doesn't add up it doesn't add up something's wrong and i would like to see i would like to see him come out the other side of this better off what did you what did you think yeah
5: i agree with with everyone in the sense of like yes he he's not fighting up to his potential we've seen better i mean dude we we saw him out you know I'll, I'll point one of the smartest fighters to ever compete in the sport in Dominic Cruz. Absolutely. Right? Like, dude, that's super incredible. But then you also see the, the 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 other side of the spectrum where he's going in there and just brawling, you know, completely careless behavior. Um, nonetheless, fun to watch, but but still not not very smart for his career. I, I do think he's not, you know, fighting up to his potential. However, something I, I would like to say is that I think he did catch a little bit more heat than he should have. Cause I see I see a lot of people tweeting, like, oh my God, like what is he doing? This is insane. But like at the end of the day, like I was watching that fight, dude, that fight was fun as hell. Like, I enjoyed it. You know, and and, and props to Cody for going out there and and, you know, die by the sword, live you know, live by the sword, die yeah, by the sword. I disagree. I disagree. But, but look, no, cause you get fans on on that, for example, look at someone like Woodley, who's like the complete opposite, someone who puts a Uh, maximizing your skills, maximizing your physical abilities, your fight IQ over excitement, right? And look how much hate he catches, right? Like, oh, you never take any risk. Oh, you know, this, this, and that. So what is it? Nonetheless, we we came here to watch fights, and that's what we got. We got got a a sick fight. Um, I do agree he could do better, and I think he can find a better balance between excitement and, you know, managing his skills properly, you know, and still somewhat playing it safe, I guess. Mm -hmm. But, uh, dude, he put on a fight. That's what we came to see, right?
2: I will grant that the consumers bitching have they're being a little bit disingenuous. To your point, on the other hand, what I would say, Danny, is if you're a championship caliber fighter, and he, by definition, is a championship caliber fighter, having just been a champion, right? um, You need to be fighting championship level ability, and that's so far below his ability. He is too good. This is not okay for his career. It's he's too good. He's too smart. He's too talented. We've seen him do better, and if yeah. you know, look. If, if it's one thing, if you're a guy who like you're lucky to be on the pay per view, or you're just sort of a guy who's you know you, you come and go in the UFC, yeah. dude. If you're a championship level fighter, man, this is oh, not okay.
5: Yeah. I, I'm with you 100. Like he could do better, and he should do better, right? It's also healthier for for his career and, and his, his health, brain, right? yeah, yeah, his brain. Um, what I what I do just my my whole point is, sure, the comments about him probably fighting smart, m- smarter, completely fair. But don't roast the man for going out there and fighting. Like, the, you know, he put on a fight. That, that's what we came to see. Okay. So, yeah. So, anyways, the second part about that, Johnny Walker gets in. you doing the worm. But, you know, his
2: tear in the UFC's like, heavyweight division has been incredible. I even Just tweeted. Just putting
5: people out left and right I know, in seconds. I even, t- I,
2: I even tweeted. I was like, all right, this is the fight that I'm looking forward to, Danny, because I'm like, someone is finally going to push this guy, so we have to see him go long. <laughs> <And> then he <laughs> knocks him out in like 30 seconds. And I'm like, yeah. Jesus, they can't even get this guy to the second round. Yeah. Uh, so here's what he needs. Let's fast forward him to the front of this division because he is out here just crushing these guys. I have a high respect for Misha Surkinov. He's out yeah. there breaking jaws with rear naked chokes. Boy, he is talented. He is physical. He's athletic. And he's experienced as well. And Walker just blew past him. The dude is crazy athletic and not afraid to use it. Let's see it against somebody a little bit more advanced in their yeah. career.
5: Dude, I'd be down for Santos. Uh, you know, number one contender fight.
2: If uh, Uzdemir wins this, yes. week or either this weekend or the following, whichever one he's on, I forget. I would love to see Uzdemir. Really? Yeah, Dude, Uzdemir I, versus I kinda, Walker. I kind of. I know I've always said like, oh, you know, you got to build
5: prospects. You got to give them time to, you know, build up their skills. But Johnny Walker just seems to be in a different track. Like you can't top, you know, forty-second knockouts, right? Like I'm okay with him just getting thrusted onto to the top real quick. I don't know. I don't know how you feel I'm about that. I'm not opposed that. to that at all. And I feel like we can, um, you know, even if lose, he manages to get to the top, loses to John Jones, dude, he's still young. He's still an exciting fighter. He can he can rebuild. I, I agree with that. Hey, we got to move this.
2: We, I got to move to tweets because I got to get up to them. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, the Liverpool, we can't top that accent, so we'll have to nah, call it a yeah, day. Yeah. There. Thanks, By the way, we still have tons of que- great questions. You know, what, we need to do some kind of after hours one where we just answer yeah, a bunch of these. Yeah. Save anything that's evergreen that we could maybe answer next week, and we'll get to it. I'm sorry we had more time. We just... I I have another job. I have literally more work I have to go do. So, Uh, Danny, good job as always, my friend. Really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Atletico sucks. (laughs) Yes, I got the last one. All right, time now for your tweets. Let's do it. All right, here we go. Clock starts when the first tweet goes up. Let's see it, and then I will get this going on the screen. Here we go. Hit it, boys and girls. All right, Danny Segura, Luke Thomas, MMA fighting. Ben Askren should fight Till, Masvidal winner, or Dana White next. He should definitely not fight Dana White, but I agree with him. I don't really understand why Dana White. Just give him 30 minutes of your time and move on. If you won't give him 30 minutes of your time, it does sound like you're have they so unnerved by him you can't stand to do it, but he'll stop talking about it as soon as you do. So just do it and move on. Next. Uh, would you, A, would you, ra- uh, would you rather for UFC events? Option A, never play face the pain again, but have the crowd woo all night long. Option B, play face the pain still, but never hear another woo. Believe it or not, I would actually rather have face the pain and not hear another woo because the woos go on for hour on hour, whereas face the pain just lasts for five minutes or whatever it is, two minutes, and I can mute it. I'd have to end up muting the fights to stop the woos. So face the pain is abominable, but the woos... They are, I mean, I I just want someone to give everyone who woos the wood shampoo, but that's not the world we live in, unfortunately. Next. Uh, I had Stevens winning first and third rounds. I was not scoring it. I thought that it was close, certainly closer than the judges had it, but uh, you know what? I don't know. I don't know. I wasn't judging it in real time. It's a great point. I'd have to go back and look. I apologize. Next. Uh, was that the first time Bob Bennett or any other NAC official answered questions after an event? Hopefully this will become more common. No, he's done it before, several times before. The problem is not that. The problem is that uh, his answers are idiotic and disingenuous. Next. Uh, the bulldog choke isn't very common in MMA, correct? Could a guy with aspirin squeeze... Have finished from that position, yes. The famous, most famous bulldog choke, there are many. Uh, Actually, Evan Smith has a bulldog choke win, but uh, the most famous one probably is Carlos Newton defeating uh, Pat Miletic at UFC 31 to become the welterweight champion. You can see Carlos's muscles in his back, everything, mm-hmm. just flare up as he does it. Uh, the reason why you have to really have a great squeeze there, and Askren has a ridiculous squeeze from that position, Uh, is that, remember, you're not really controlling the rest of their body. So if there's anything wrong with your mechanics, you're not really hipping into it, you can get lifted and slammed. Um, there There are ways out of it if it's not super tight. But if it's super tight, again, we've talked about it before, if a choke is on, you have to respect it. Next. Hey, Luke, if the UFC was to hypothetically end their partnership with USADA, what changes would we see in the few years following this, including both changes to the fighters themselves and the perception of PED usage. Well, it would depend what other regimen that they would decide to pick up. Would they go with VADA? Would they go with what Bellator has, which is commissioned plus enhanced for particular places or other fighters? That would be a big deal. I don't know. Here's what I do think would happen. If you had less positive tests, you'd have less scandal. In every single sports league and in sports organization, including MMA, but worldwide, where they have lax regulation and there are fewer doping scandals as a consequence, the fan base begins to tune out. I know that sounds counterintuitive, and I know I have a lot of views that seem a little bit outside the norm on this issue – but I challenge everyone to tell me a league where that isn't true. In FIFA, it's quite true. In Bellator, it's quite true. In the NFL, Major League Baseball's had some scandals. So but because they had something scandalized about it, the media plays a role in that one. But generally speaking, when you have less testing and less scandal as a consequence of it, the fan base more or less does not seem to care. There are a couple of exceptions that prove the rule, but that's a pretty standard, well-supported, um, academically-backed um, fact. Next. Uh, Are you worried like I am that Dana's answers about McGregor's next fight sounds like they might try and do the rematch straight away with Habib? I try not to read too much into it, but you could be right. I cannot say that that is wrong. Um, You know, saying that they're very far apart with the, or not even close, I think, to making it was McGregor versus Cowboy, and they might. They might end up doing it. Poor Tony Ferguson. Uh I don't know what's going to happen with him, man. I'm as dismayed by that as you guys are. I don't know what to tell you. Next. Uh, Still don't understand how Woodley was so overwhelmed by Usman on the ground when he trains with Askren. I understand they're different fighters, but shouldn't all these years of dealing with Askren's ground control and top pressure have prepared him better. It did prepare him quite well, but they have, very different simil- they have very different attacks. They have very different setups, very different feels. I've said this point before. The average person, you can race with Usain Bolt. You can train with Usain Bolt. It probably will make you faster if you're dieting with him and training with him and working drills and doing other things. It's going to make you faster, but at some point, and that's more a measurement of like absolute athletic ability, so it's not quite apples to apples. You will get better, but you may not be prepared for Justin Gatlin. Like you're, it's, it's only going to be helpful for so much. So training with Ben Askren is enormously helpful, but not necessarily in the specific ways that Kumaru might begin to threat. As I went back, the visible and then the invisible threats, he's got them both. That's something that Ben Askren is much more about, the visible threat. So there's enough differences there, quite clearly, to make a difference in the end. It's a good question, but you always have to be careful. Training with really talented guys will never lead you astray but it won't guarantee victory either. Yeah, what a great show. Really appreciate you guys tuning in today. As always, call us 844-866-2468 for uh, the sound off. Send us your tweets using the hashtag Hour for a round of tweets. Thank you to my guests, Brandon Gibson, Henry Hooft, and Ben Askren. Thank you guys for being here, and until next time, stay frosty.